Good morning, everybody. Today, Baruch Hashem, we'll be learning Daf Peites in Maseches Bava Kama. Uh, we learn Eloi Nishmas Rav Chaim Zevmelinowitz Zatzal, and we learn for the Schos of all our Chayalim and everyone. But we know that their Schuyos are probably even bigger than ours. Like we're no big deal. So maybe we could also rely on their Schus to get through today's Daf because there's some interesting things that we're going to have to uh, understand today. So it's a symbiotic relationship, if you will. Bezat Hashem, all of Kalei Yisrael will experience Yeshua's. Okay. So we're eight lines up from the wide lines on Pechesem and Bez. And what were we talking about? Okay. We were talking about the idea of Kenyan Peros, Kenyan Aguf, or Lav Kenyan Aguf Dami. Why were we talking about this Lamdash concept? First of all, what does that Lamdash concept mean? I tried to put it in pragmatic terms. I tried to say like as follows. That a kid... Uh, the way the way we said it was, and we'll see the the Gemara um, suggests two scenarios: one where a father bequeaths a bank account to his son, and he says, "When I die, a specific son." Well, he says, "I'm I'm actually going to gift this bank account, so to speak, to my son now while I'm alive." And however, it's going to kick in. Uh, in, upon my passing away. Okay, that's what he does. Uh, that's one way, by the way, to force sort of the inheritance, right? Because you're giving it like as a, li- I don't know, as like a living will, right? You're giving it, right, during your lifetime. Once you pass away, there's certain rules on how, right, the Yerusha, how the inheritance is distributed. But if you give it all during your lifetime, that means you're targeting somebody, one of your heirs. You want them to get it. Anyway, be, be that as it may, uh, a son, by the way, could also give it to his father, as we'll see. If a son gifts it to his father, maybe he wants his father to take care of it, and let's say instead of his son, right? Let's say, uh, right, you have like a middle-aged dad with a nudnik, no-good son who's just going to like uh, throw it all away, and, and a still very vibrant father who really knows how to handle the money. So he gifts it all to his father, right? He could do that in order to avoid it, giving it to his son, okay? Point is... There's two aspects to it. There's the Kenyan of Paris and uh, what we'll call the Kenyan of Guf. And the way we described it is the Kenyan of Paris is the usage of the account, right? Like he has the passwords to the account and he's the one that's using the account and having all the investment. So that is the Kenyan Paris. That's using uh, whatever, whatever um, dividends you're getting from the account and doing all the transactions with the account. And then, the, and then we'll say the other aspect of the account is whose name is it going to be in? So it could be that it's officially designated to be, let's say the father bequeaths it to his son, so it's designated to be in the son's name, okay? And, however, and so the son's name is on the top heading of the account, but the son has no access to it. He doesn't have the Kenyan Haperos. The father still is accessing it so long as he's alive. So Kenyan Haperos, Kenyan Aguf Dummy would mean that we consider the owner of the account to be the person who has access to it and is doing the transactions with the account, regardless of whose name is on the account. Why are we even in here? As we'll see, it's because of a Takanas Usha. And and that is our Mishnah, we say, is a Takanas Usha, which we're going to get to today, soon enough. So let's look in the Gemara, and with that background in mind, we'll be able to to, um, uh, build back up what we were talking about before as follows. Says the Gemara, Vanan Hashta. This is the end of the digression from yesterday. Bain Rabbi Yimriya ben Abba, bar Abba, uvein Rabbi Yehuda, ker Rabbi Shimon ben Lakish, severe lahu. In other words, Reish Lakish and Rabbi Yochanan 
had a machlokas as to whether Kinyan Aperos is Kikinyan Aguf or Lav Kikinyan Aguf. Ravish Lakish held that Kinyan Aperos is Lav Kikinyan Haguf, which is to say that, that um, owning, the owner of the active account, right, which in the case of, uh, that we just gave is where the father's bequeathing to the son, he's, the father is the one that's dealing with all the transactions, but it's in the son's name. That means that it's not, the father's not the owner. Right, the Kenyan of Paris is love Kenyan Aguf, right? Rather, it's the son is technically the owner. In the case that we said, the son sold it. And the question is, right, what happened if the son sold it? Is that sale valid, right? What happened? In this particular case, something uh, out of the ordinary happened. The son predeceased the father. So if the son dies before the father, does the person that he sold the account to actually get it? And the answer is yes, even if the son predeceases the father. And this is what we were talking about yesterday. If the son actually is the owner of it, so again, in this case, the kid in Paris is on the father. And that is lavki kinyan aguf dami, according to Reish Lakesh, which means that the son really owns it. Because the father's transactional activity on his kinyan Paris, as it were, is not... Uh, a sign of owning it. That means that the son is the one that owns it and therefore he has the right to sell it. And therefore when he sells it, that sale is valid. Okay, that is the sheet of Rish Lakish. By the way, as Rashi points out, uh, we only hold like Rish Lakish against Rabbi Yochanan. Do you know how many times in all of Shas? Three times, fool. That's correct. So that is, that is quite uh, a testimony to what a gadol Rabbi Yochanan was, right? That, that, that's really a gadol ador when, when, you're, when they pass like you everywhere but three times. So this is one of those three times, right? Uh, we already learned that in Yavamos. That's why you guys were both on it for the, the record show, both Andrew and Barry were completely on top of it. And so it is, it, this is one of the areas, Kenyan HaPeres, Lav Ke Kenyan HaGuf. Um, okay, so if that's the case, so it's going to go back to we're going to bring it a little bit back to our Gemara in a second. Let's read inside. Because what was the case over there of, of uh, Yirmiya Bar Abba? You might recall there were two Abbas, right? And the, the case over there was where the mother, right? So again, a woman married an Abba and then had a son. And then when she married the next Abba, she wanted to be able to give her Right to, to to give her Yerusha, as it were, to the son from the previous Abba, for the son from the previous marriage, and we said that we were going to uphold it. Okay, so we're going to link that back into this, into into this concept of Kenya Paris Kenya Ruguf. So let's read. Let's continue to read inside. Says the Gemara. Okay, if you're going to say that Kenya Paris would be Kenya Ruguf, right, like Rabbi Yochanan. So does the buyer have the property? No, right? Because if Kenyan Paris is Kenyan Guf, in the case that we said, where the father has the Kenyan Paris, so the son, right, and the son is the one that sold it, and it, the son is, dies while the father is still alive, which is to say he predeceases the father, so then, and, and the son's the one that sold it, so, so then when he sold it, he didn't own it, right? In that case, the son never owned it, right? Because the Kenyan Aperos that the father had meant that he really owned the account, which means that it was never the son's to sell. 
Right? And again, the son predeceased the father. The reason that's significant is because this fa- he, the son never, he neither ever owned it, nor did he ever inherit it, right? Because the, because the father was still alive when he died, right? So, right? It sees over here, this is an indication, right? The fact that, that the lokech can actually keep it is the proof of Reish Lakish, that Kenya Paris is and then bringing it back to the case of the of the two Abbas and the wife, right? The wife's nichse uh, melog. The fact that the new husband had the rights to her nichse melog does not prevent her from giving it to her son Rav Shmuel Bar Abba, since she owned it in his name, right? She she owned it, uh, and and therefore she should be able to right give it to her son. Okay, so. Anyway, they brought the case, the, the Gemara continues, says, They brought this whole sugya to Rabbi Yehuda. That the case of the wife, that we said with the two Abbas, giving her, away her property to her son, is not analogous to our Mishnah. We're going to talk a little bit more about the anatomy. We learned Masachas Ksuba, so we're, we're going to talk a little bit about the anatomy of a Ksuba and what the wife has... Uh, what rights she has to Ksuba in great detail. That's essentially going to be the topic of Daf Peites. But in the meantime, that's, what we're, that's where we're headed. That the whole Mishnah, right, that we were saying, um, that we were quoting, having to do with Kenyan Aperis and Kenyan Aguf with a, with, with a father and a son is not like our, is not analogous to the case of the woman giving away her Ksuba. And the question we're going to spend a lot of time now is my time. What is the difference between a father giving to a son? In other words, what is the difference between the rights of a kin and a parent, a kin and a goof in a father-son relationship versus a husband-wife relationship? As follows. Says the Gemara, Amr Yosef, and therefore, again, if, if, the, if the Mishnayas are analogous, so then it's the proof of the kin and a parent, slav, kin and a goof, tiny, right? Uh, um, so again, the Mishnah and Baba Basra, Kuf Lamed Vav, that has to do with the Bain and the Av, right? Again, that Mishnah had said that the Bain, can't, the Ben can't sell it because they're Bershus Av. And the, and the Av can't sell it because they're Bershus Ben. In the case of, of course, of the Chas of Noach Armoso, right? So that is the, the Mishnah in Baba Basra. But the our case of the woman with the two Abbas may be different than the case of the mission of Baba Basra, as follows. I can understand that the Mishnah would in fact teach you in Baba Basra and would be reflective of Kinyana Paris versus Kinyana Guf if the case was Hakosiv Nechasiv La'aviv. If the case was the aforementioned case where the son, not the father, trying to shut out the rest of the sons, but the son trying to shut out his own son by writing his Nechasiv to his father. Right then, that would teach you that the entire case, right? If the entire case was the reverse, the mission would indeed be an indication of However, but since the Mishnah in Baba Basra was talking about a case where a son is send is um, sending his nechasim to his son, not to his father, there the reason why you're Right in that case, the son will inherit anyway. Is because 
He, the, not because Kenyan Paris love Kenyan Guf Dami. However, it is because El Hashem the Kenyan Kosher the Chazav No Mishum Deroi LeYorshahu. In other words, why is the sale of the son valid? The sale of the son valid. I'll say it in these simple terms. We thought, right, that the reason why, again, a father owns the account activity, transaction activity, the son owns it in name. And we said that the son can sell it and that can sell this account and that account will work even if the son predeceases the father. So we said, oh, that's a clear indication that Kinyan Paris love Kinyan Aguf Dummy. Says the Gemara, not necessarily so. Why? Because since the son is the natural inheritor of this account, it is, he has a stronger hold on this account than a typical scenario uh, of Kenyan Paris versus Kenyan Aguf, which is to say, if the, again, if the Mishnah had been the opposite, where the son is selling it to his father, right, where the son is bequeathing it to his father, that would be a true indication of Kenyan Paris love Kenyan Aguf, because that would really be the litmus test of who owns this account. But here, since according to the natural law of the, of the land, eventually uh, the son is the natural inheritor of this account, he has a stronger right, hold on this account right, than he normally would have, and it's therefore not a good indication of whether Kenyan Paris in a vacuum is Kenyan Aguf Dami or not, right, since he's going to inherit it anyway, right, okay, so therefore, uh, but the Mishnah did not give the case of the son giving it to the father, he gave the father giving it to the son, and therefore it is not applicable to our case, uh, it's not giving you a, a, a true indication of whether Kenyan Paris is Kenyan Aguf or not, okay, so that is where we're holding now. But then Amar Abaye, Atu Bara Yaris Abba, Abba Yaris Bra. He says, wait a minute. It, a, a son does inherit a father. Are you going to say that a father never in, can inherit a son? After all, a, a son can indeed give it to his father, right? And, and the truth of the matter is, even if a son doesn't give it to his father, if a son dies childless, a fa- it does revert back to the father, as Rashi explains. So there are scenarios where the father can inherit the property of the son, says Abaye. And therefore, why do we need our mission to have a case of a father, uh, a father inheriting from a son? A father inheriting from a son and a son inheriting from a father are both directions that inheritance can indeed go. And therefore, maybe our Mishnah would, is, not, is indeed right um, an indication of Kenyan Paris Kenyan Haguf. Because after all, continues the Gemara, Our Mishnah, right, if it had stated that the son is inheriting to the father, it's because the son, as we described before, is trying to keep it away from his own son, right? In other words, the middle-aged son is keeping it from his, right, irresponsible teenage son and, 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 and giving it to his father, right, um, and giving it to his father for that reason, right? And and here too, right, in, in the Mishnah's case in Baba Basra, where the actual case is where the father is giving it to his son, he is doing it, so what? In order to give, in order, in order to give it to this specific son, right, in order, as opposed to other sons, he's trying to give it to him while he's alive in order so he, uh, that he should, um, in order that so he should have it. What is this all coming to teach you? That since the cases are indeed parallel, 
And since those cases are not indeed indicating anything about the natural law of inheritance, perhaps the Mishnah and Baba Basra, this is a biased point, is indeed a good indication of Kinyan Hapera Slavka Kinyan Gufka Dami. Okay. So, if it's true that the Mishnah Baba Basra is a good indication of Kinyan Hapera Slavka Kinyan Gufka Dami, the question would then be, what did Shmuel mean when he said that this case is not like our case, the case of Baba Basra is not like our case of the Nechse Melug? Maybe if you're going to say that it is a good indication of Kinyan Hapera Slavka Kinyan Gufka, we can apply it to the case of Nechse Melug. Okay. So the Gemara therefore says, what did Shmuel mean when he said the two cases are not the same, the one of the Ksuba and the one of the inheritance? As follows. Says the Gemara four lines up from the bottom of base. What do we mean when we said our case is not analogous to the Mishnah? Says the Gemara, Mishum Takanas Usha. Ah, here we go. Takanas Usha, where is Usha? It's in Israel. The great Sanhedrin moved right after uh, we were exiled from the base of Mikdash, right? We already learned this in Rosh Hashanah Lamed Aleph. The great San, uh, Sanhedrin moved and made certain enactments. As we will see, it's controversial. We're not really sure, right, where this happened. That's, that's the issue. Because we don't see Mishnayas, we don't see Bryce's about this, but it had to have been a Takana at some point, and, and we'll see. We're going to say, was there a Takana Susha or was there not a Takana Susha? Why do we think there was? The Amar Rabbi Yossi Bar Chanina. Rabbi Yossi Bar Chanina said, Usha Hitzkinu. So Rabbi Yossi Bar Chanina recalled that they did make a takana in Usha when the great Sanhedrin was exiled to Usha and they made the following takana. So here we go. Right, the Nixim Elug property. What is Nixim Elug? It's a Kenyan Peros that the husband currently has. So here we go. The, you see why the case is, is somewhat analogous. A woman gets married. When she gets married, the husband promises her that he's going to, right, that, that in the event of his death or divorce, she's going to get a ksuba, okay? She brings a dowry, so to speak, into the wedding. We learned ksuba, so we know a little bit of this. Nixleitzon Barzel, which she gets the same, she gets it back the same as she brought it in. The Nixleitzon the husband gets to, like, invest, okay? But it's considered Kinyanaperos, it's hers, but he is investing in it. So he has the Kenyan Peros currently. Oh. So the husband has the Kenyan Peros. The question is, the woman, does she have the right to sell those Kenyan Peros to someone else? So it is indeed analogous to a son selling the Kenyan Peros of his father in some ways, right, to someone else as well. So that's what we're trying to line up. So right now we're saying it's not the same. Why? Because in Usha they said that if the woman were to sell the Nechse Melug, during her husband's lifetime, and then she died. Why? Because if she predeceased her husband, right, then that means that she never gets the ksuba back. So really, the nixim elug would normally stay with the husband. And guess, but guess what? She sold the nixim elug. That the kanas usha was. We're going to allow the husband to go get those the nixim elug back from whoever she sold it to. Okay. So since that seems to give the husband real ownership, then indeed, Rav Abba should be able to, to block his wife's ability to gift said Nechsem to her son, right? In other words, normally, maybe we would hold Kinyan Abeiris, Lavka Kinyan dummy. But here, there's the Kandras Usha, right? That, that would block it. So up until now, we were saying, why would, right, the, uh, the woman, uh, 
be able to give it to her natural son, right, and avoid her new Abba, Rabbi Abba, avoid Rabbi Abba and give it directly to her son um, because Kenyan Paris is Lav Kikinian Aguf dummy. And even though her husband has the Kenyan Haperos, she could still has the authority over this account to bequeath it to her son. But this is the Kanas Usha that blocks us from doing so, okay? That allows the husband, her current husband, to take it away from the Kukos in the event that she died. That ability of the husband apparently indicates that he has a stronger hold on this account than normal. So two lines up from the bottom, the Gemara says, Amar Vidi Baravin, to support this, Afana Nami Tanina. We learned about this Takanas Usha in a Brisa, which says, Right? So they, if witnesses said the following case, that uh, such and such a person was uh, Megarish's wife, divorced his wife, and indeed gave her Ksuba. A wild case of Adam Zomim. So Shmerel divorced Shprinza and gave her Ksuba. Fine. And then, as we finally write, Paytesam at Alsvari, he tachtavim sham shatov. And yet, uh, they are also saying, as part of their testimony, that unbelievable, despite the divorce, she's still, they're still living as man's wife. Wow. So they're living as man's wife, and he already divorced her and paid her Ksuba. Well, if that were true, right, then if subsequent to this testimony, this husband would divorce her for real or die, they had already testified that she received the ksuba, she would lose out on the ksuba. So these witnesses are in essence saying, yes, I know that, uh, right, uh, Schmerl and Sprinzer Schwartz are living as husband and wife, but you should know she already collected a ksuba. Well, and then when they get divorced, she would not collect the ksuba. But turns out, Vanimso Zomimin, as we said, right? Somebody said, you had no way that you would know that. They turned out to be Adam Zomimim. So now they try to make her lose her ksuba. So now we're going to make her pay back the woman that ksuba that they would have made her lose. But the question is, this is a very complicated case because the ksuba... What was the ownership of the ksuba? The ksuba is something that she only collects upon her husband's death or divorce. Everybody's still alive. So what, is, what are they paying her back? Right? They were going to make, at the time of their testimony, they were going to make her lose her ksuba that, was, that she was going to get in eventuality. Right? But in reality, she doesn't have it yet. Like, and so she has some kinyanim on some of it, and she has some, and, and, she does, and he lacks, but really lacks it. It's not like in her bank account as we speak. She just has sort of a rights to it. So what happens? Says the Gemara. What do we make them pay? We're not going to make the Adam Zomim pay her the entire ksuba because that doesn't own, she doesn't own it. Ella what? Tovas hana ksuvasa. Okay. They pay the tovas hana. What's the tovas hana? Really, the Gemara says it inside. I'll say it outside really quickly first. It's simple, Andrew. It's futures, right? It's one of those reverse mortgage sales, Right? where the woman has the rights uh, to the ksuba, but she's really cash poor. She wants money right now. There's something she really needs to buy right now. So, so we don't know who's going to die first or whether she's ever going to get the ksuba, and therefore it's going to be at a discount. But Andrew wants to make a gamble. He's, he thinks this woman is going to collect the ksuba. So let's say the ksuba is worth $1,000, right? The right? He'll buy the rights to the ksuba for $100, Right, 
And therefore, he's going to take a gamble, right? If the woman dies first, he's going to lose it. But if the, but if the husband dies first or he divorces her, he's going to get he's going to get it. So he's buying the rights of the ksuba. That's what the Adam Zomim are going to give because right now that's all she has tangible as value. The only thing she has the right to sell is the rights to the ksuba, not to the ksuba itself. Let's see it inside. How do you describe the tovasanah? How much would Andrew pay for this woman's ksuba? Right on the uh, in the eventuality that if she uh, her husband dies or divorces her, she'll get it. However, right. Of course, with the understanding that if she dies before the husband, the husband would inherit her, and therefore Andrew would receive nothing. Okay, so Andrew is going to buy this ksuba on a gamble that the woman is going to be in this armel on this garsha. Good. That's what the Adam's Zoma will be paying the woman. What does this have to do with anything? Says the Gemara. Right, and if you're going to say that this takanas usha never happened, right? Amayir shenabala. Why would the husband in, uh, inherit inherit her? In other words, she should be able to sell her entire ksuba, even on the eventuality that she would die per, first, right? Because the nichse barzal should be uh, the the, the, the should be hers, right? Be, really, she doesn't owe him anything, but for the takanas usha. In other words, right, that there must be a takanas usha. Because again, as we've said, the takanas usha means that the husband really owns this property. So the fact that such a thing as tovasana exists, that the only thing that she could sell is the tovasana, that's a sign that indeed there is a takanas usha. In other words, if there weren't a takanas usha, then, and you said that, that nichse, um, that, that, the Kenyan payer, Slavka Kenyan, dummy. So again, trying to line up the cases. The husband has the Kenyan Aperos. That's for sure, right? And the Nechse Malug. But if the Kenyan Aperos is Slavka Kenyan and dummy, that would mean that the woman owns it, even though the husband is right now investing it. And it means that she has full ownership of it, which means that she should be able to have full ownership of the Ksuba, even if she predeceases the husband to the extent that she should be able to sell the full value of the Ksuba. The fact that she can only sell the Toba's Hana of the Ksuba is indeed an indication that there was a Takanas Usha. So what we're trying to prove now is that there was a Takanas Usha. What was the Takanas Usha? That the husband can block such a sale. And that the husband owns it more than usual, despite the fact that in general, Kenyan Paris, Slavka, Kenyan Aguf, Dami. Okay, so that is, so the very existence of the fact that the Adam Zomim would only have to pay, right, the Tovasana teaches you that there was this Takanas Usha. Says the Gemara, not necessarily. Wow. Said maybe we weren't talking about Nixon Malug. Maybe, right, that whole halacha was talking about the Nixay Tson Barzel. In other words, maybe there's no Takana Susha, and therefore the Nixon Malug is really always hers because Kinya Paris Lavka Kinya Haguf Dami. But the Tson Barzel, right, she never could have sold. Right? And therefore that is what doesn't belong to her, and that's what that. That's what the halacha is referring to. Well, if that's the case, we don't, have not learned anything about Takanas Usha. So now we're going to digress to talk a lot more about the Ksuba. Amar Abaye, eight lines down. Tovas Hana. Let's talk about this discount amount of this deal of the Ksuba. Hova Asali done. Since we are now talking about the topic, this is literally Abaye saying, you know, we can't talk about Tovas Hana without really talking about the Sugya a little bit, you know, because it's so much, it's so Gishmak. Since we're talking about it, 
Name of a mil. So let's say a little vart about Tova Sana. As follows. Tova Sana Isha Havya. Why does the woman have that right that that amount of the ksuba uh, belonging to her? Right? This is a fascinating question. <laughs> the woman can sell okay, Andrew is on the prowl. He's looking to make some money. <laughs> He's willing to take some risks. He's buying women's rights to their ksuba. <laughs> Fine. So he goes over to Sprinza Schwartz. He says, I want to buy the rights to your Ksuba. And he pays her $100 for her $1,000 Ksuba. Question is, who owns the $100? Does Sprinza, can she put it in her own bank account? Or does she have to give it to her husband? After all, she's still married to Schmerl Schwartz. Why is she not giving that money to her husband? Does he own everything that she owns? How is she making this side hustle, business transactions with Andrew? So the Gemara says, the fact of the matter is, uh, she could keep the, to- the money from the proceeds from the, from the sale of the Tova Sana. Why? Because if it's going to go to Shmerel Schwartz, when the Edom Zomim say, right, get nailed and, and exposes Edom Zomim, my FC didn't. They could say to the woman, we didn't cause you to lose anything. If you had indeed sold the Tova Sana to Andrew, then your husband would have just taken that $100 and put it in his own pocket. Right, so because of the fact that we see that Aiden Zomim have to pay something, we see that indeed the woman gets to keep the tova sana. Okay, so I'm a Rav Shalman, Mishum de Ika Revach Besa. That's not necessarily true, because after all, maybe the fact that the husband takes the hundred dollars means that they have a better cholent that week. It's still better, right? He's paying the electrical bill with it. It's still better for her, and therefore there is some tova sana. So I'm a Rav Hilchasa tova sana leisha. Rava is going to give a different proof than Abaye, not from the Edom Zomimim. He's going to say that the halacha is that the woman does keep the tovas. And the husband can't even get, consume the profits of that $100 from that income. My time, what's Rava's reason? That means that the Rabbanon only said that the peros of the right of the nechse. Uh, Malug, the husband can take. That's true. But pair and pair, which in this context doesn't mean the pairs of the pay, that came out of the pairs, but rather anything above that nechse malug that she gets, like any side hustles that she gets, she gets to keep. Right? That is the takanas rabbanon that she gets to keep the side hustles, and that is Rav's proof. Okay, let's get back to takanas usha. Says the gemara in the middle of the page. When they came from Rav's base, Medrash, Amri, they said the following. Tanila Takanas Usha. We have learned that indeed there was a Takanas Usha. How do we know that there's Takanas Usha? From our Mishnah. Oh my God, that's what this is doing here. We see the following phrase. We're going to remember this from two days ago. We said that when you have an Evan and Isha, it's not good to be, uh, to be Mazak them. Why? Because a Chova Ba'er if you damage them, you're going to have to pay for that. But if they damage somebody else, they're going to be putter because they have no money, right? So we don't expect them to pay their victims. So it's a, it's a, it's a one-way street and a lose-lose situation if you injure them. Says the Gemara, Our mission is a proof that there was a Takanas Usha. Why? Because if you would have thought that there was no Takanas Usha, Wow. The Takanas Usha again. <laughs> How does the Takanas Usha reflect on our Mishnah? Because it has to do with Nezikin. Because the Takanas Usha teaches you that the husband has 
the rights to the Nechzei Melogen to block everything else. Were it not for the Takanas Usha, then the woman would be able to pay for the Nezek that she did with her Ksuba rights, with her Nechzei Melog. Wow. Okay. So we see from the fact that our Mishnah makes injuring a woman a lose proposition because she doesn't, ain't got no money. She does have some money. She has the Nechzei Melog. Elamai, she doesn't have it because we have a Takana Susha and the husband owns the Nechzei Melog. And that's how we know that women have, don't have the money. Wait a minute. Is that true? Let's say there is a Takana Susha. And she can't, and she can't, she can't sell them completely because the husband can block it. She can at least sell the Tovasana as we previously described. That we do have. It has to be that, uh, that the Mishnah is referring to a case, what our Mishnah, which says that a woman can never pay for the Niske Mamon that she does, has to be where she doesn't have any Nechzimelug. Sometimes you don't have nechzimelug, right? In other words, nechzimelug is external stuff, right? The ksuba is something that you bring in a dowry, but she came from a poor family. She's not a businesswoman, so she doesn't have it. So hachinami delaysle, right? So therefore, irrespective of the takanas usha, right, she simply doesn't have any melug property. And it's for that reason that our mission is talking about a case when a woman injures somebody that she had no, ain't got no money to pay and, and you're out of luck if you got injured by a woman. Says the Gemara, wait a minute. Says the Gemara, wait a minute. Forget about the Nechzei Melug. So the Nechzei Melug, as we said, that's, that's extra business that she brings in to the, to the marriage. But the actual Ksuba, every woman has. That's a Dara right? We've learned, we can spend a day talking about whether it's Ksuba Darabana or Dara That's what we started with in the Masechus Ksubas. But the point is, we know, right, as the Rambam said, right, the Nasa Isha B'Ksuba, the whole sugya of whether the Ramam holds that the ksuba is Doraisa. Point is, there is a ksuba for every married Jewish woman. She could sell that to future, those futures to Andrew, right? So at least she should be able to, to pay some sort of nezek. So the Gemara Hamani. So no. The technicality is that who's the author of the Mishnah? The same time as the author of many Mishnahis, of the Stam Mishnahis. Rabbi Meir, he. It's the Hayalaga Rabbi Meir. The Amar Asalala Adam Shiyashe as Ishto Afilusha Achas Belok Suba. That Rameyer holds a, a husband can never have right a woman without his wife without Aksuba, Ksubales. Why? Because, as we will see, the time of my, what's the reason? Right? If a husband has no reason to fear divorcing his wife, he might do so willy-nilly. Divorce might become, as we sometimes see in our day. Right, divorce might become very commonplace if he were to have no consequences. It is the ksuba that is a disincentive to the man to divorce his husband. He's going to have to pay for that. Okay, okay. So hacha. So okay. So that for that reason, there's a special enactment that a woman can never sell ksuba. Okay. So if she has no nechzimulug, and she can't sell ksuba because the mission is like Rabbi Mayer, so then truly, if she injures somebody, you're out of luck. She has no money to pay you. Right, so here the husband, uh, if he has the repercussions of having to pay the ksuba, he will not be magarshar. The imagarshla also hanach the The buyers who purchased the, the, the ksuba from her will come and gabalok zavasamine, right, and they're going to collect the ksuba from him. Okay, so now we have to. So she can't sell the ksuba. Okay, right. Wait, no, the Gemara asked the Kasha here. I skipped it, sorry. The Gemara said, what did I just read? 
that here, even if she sold the ksuba, he still won't be, he still won't be hasty to divorce her because, why? Because if he did divorce her, they what? Big Louie's coming together. Yeah, Big Louie is going to come together. Right. Because, right, right. He, he's not going to be hasty to divorce her because Big Louie is going to come together because he's going to divorce her. Thank you, Andrew. Then the buyers who purchased from him, they're going to sell Big Louie after him and they're going to collect the ksuba from him. Right? So in other words, it doesn't help. Right? Because he's afraid either way. Right? Somebody is going to be a loan shark is going to come. The, the, guy, the guy who sold from is going to make sure to get his money. Right? So he's not going to divorce her anyway. So what are we talking about? Says the Gemara, Latovah, so no, Amili Ninhu, Amili Lomishtabdi. An unbelievable idea, like an abstract idea. Why can a woman not sell a ksuba? Because we don't believe in futures. This whole concept of Tovah, so no, is just words, man. There's, where's the money? Show me the money. We don't believe in this idea. Mili Lomishtabdi. What are you selling words? You're selling me futures? You're selling me, like, potential? What are you buying, Andrew? Says the Gemara, Al What do you mean? That's how business works. They're words that can be sold for money. <laughs> Andrew will pay for it. This is a whole sugi in itself, Barry, right? The question of uh, my, my chaver, my longtime chavusa, Stephen Glanz, is a rebbe now in Mevaseret. As soon as I left, he decided to leave high tech and become a rebbe. So he's a rebbe in Mevaseret, and he's teaching about Bitcoin because he's a big entrepreneur. So... He's teaching about this idea of futures, the concept of mammon in the Gemara versus the concept of mammon in, in, the, uh, in, in today's business world. The point is, this is a very fundamental question. Futures, is it like tangible? Is it not tangible? Well, the Gemara is saying, what do you mean? You could sell it, somebody would buy it, so if there's a market for it, it's, 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 it's worth something. Okay, so, so again, the woman can't sell the ksuba. We're saying not in the case of, right, not, not like Rebbe Meir yet, and not because you can't sell futures, because obviously somebody will buy it, but it has to be what Shmuel said. What did Shmuel, Shmuel say? Let's get Barry involved. Okay? Barry owes Andrew money. Okay? Um, and so he says, I'm going to sell the Shtarchov to my friend. So Andrew sells, by the way, we miss you a lot, Phil. So Andrew sells, right, Barry's uh, IOU to Phil, the Chazar Machlo. And then Andrew pulls a fast one. He is Michael Barry. So now Phil bought an IOU from Andrew because Barry, he was going to get the money from Barry. But then Andrew was Michael Barry. So now Phil bought something that's worth nothing. Michael. Unbelievably, it works. The debt is forgiven. Phil's out of luck. He can't collect it. This can even work with heirs. In other words, right? An heir could forgive a debt. Meaning even an heir of a, of a specific case where a guy sells something uh, 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 can forgive the, the debt. So what does this mean? It means that when a woman, right, has the proceeds of her sale of her ksuba, she can forgive the ksuba to her husband. <laughs> so that's the reason why if she does nezik, she does not uh, pay anything. In other words, if a woman is maziki, you're out of luck because she ain't got no money. What are you saying? What do you mean she ain't got no money? She has her, at the very least, if she has no business acumen at all, she, at the very least, she has a ksuba coming to her and she could sell that. The answer is, but she could be mochel that. She could be mochel ksuba. And therefore, and, and as we'll see, he holds that she will always be mochel it, which is to say, she'd rather, somebody punched her in the face and was maziker. You think she's going to want that guy to get the money? She's, they're going to say, you know what? Pay from the ksuba. You know, my dear husband, right, is definitely, I, I love him a lot more than this guy who punched me in the face. You know what? I'm Michael the ksuba. 
So every time she gets punched in the face, she's not going to she's she's not going to let that ksuba go through her to, uh, to pay right the assailant. No, no, no. She's the one that did the hezek. Uh oh. She punched somebody in the face because she hated him. Now that guy needs to get paid for the hezek. So he says, "Give me money." She says, "I don't have money." But he says, "Crazy woman, you punched me in the face. Of course you got to give me money." And I know you have a ksuba. She says, "I'm mochel the ksuba. That's what it is." A nasty woman who punched somebody else in the face, and now she doesn't want. Her victim to collect the money from her ksuba. That's what it is. Okay. Amri, Zabuni, Zabi, Wait a minute. But we, we, should we force her to sell her ksuba and give the, vic, the proceeds to the victim? Says the Gemara. Yeah. But if she forgives it to her husband, then at least she will have paid the victim. In other words, right? Let her sell the ksuba, give the victim the proceeds, and still, right? If she, uh, and then she could forgive the rest of the ksuba, the Gemara suggests. So the Gemara, no, you're not going to do that. Why, Amri? Call the Baal Vadai Machlale. Anything regarding her husband, she's always going to forgive. And, right, what's going to happen is we're going to actively cause a loss to the buyer of the ksuba. So again, Right? Anybody who's going to buy the ksuba is always going to be out of luck because every time the Gemara says the woman's going to be mochel the ksuba, um, in, in deference to her husband. Wow. So wait a minute. This woman injured somebody. She punched somebody in the face. So how are we going to make her pay? Uh, as we see in our Mishnah, we're not going to make her pay. Is it because it's the Kanas Usha? Is it because of the fact that she has no money? Is it, right? So we're taking like a tour now, a journey through all of the sugyas of the Ksuba as follows. Following uh, case, Let her sell the Ksuba directly to the person she injured. Let her sell the Tova the, the discount price to the person that she injured as we turn to pay Tessama Bays at the symbolic time, 613 a.m. Because there, if she sold the futures, even if she, she forgives right, the ksuba of her husband, the, the victim, the, the guy she punched, won't suffer, suffer a loss. Why? Because she is not giving him anything. Right? So he's not suffering a loss. So what does it mean? She's not giving anything. In other words, he has nothing to lose. Let her sell the ksuba. He'll take the ksuba as payment for his injury. Let him take the tova sona. Because even if she forgives her husband, that and and she and he ends up with no money, at least let her sell the ksuba as as, ksuba to, as some sort of payment. Because of the chance, what that maybe she will not forgive the ksuba, and maybe he'll get something. In other words. Now we're really grasping at straws. We're saying maybe we should just have her give it to him anyways, even though the husband's not going to, even though it's very, very likely she's going to be Michael, let her give it to him anyway in the event that she maybe won't be Michael and maybe, maybe the guy that she punched will be able to collect something. Says the Gemara, it's not going to work. Don't worry. It says, Sof, 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 Don't forget about it. She's for sure going to be Michael. And it's just a waste of everyone's time, literally. We're going to force Bezdin to adjudicate over this court to make her sell the ksuba to the guy that she punched. Guys, it's a fool's errand. We're not going to waste Bezdin's time with this case. It's a, it's a fait accompli that she's going to be Michael the ksuba. You can take it to the bank, literally and figuratively. So therefore, we're not even going to bother to do that. In other words, we're, we're trying to salvage something. It's, it's hopeless. This woman, this is what our mission teaches you. A woman punches you in the face, you're out of luck, buddy. You're not going to get any money for that. Four lines down. 
Okay. So now we're going to have a case of, a, of um, domestic abuse, right? The woman now is going to punch the husband. Oh, so now we're talking. Can the husband collect that? Okay, says the Gemara. Punches the husband right in the, right in the nose. Does, what happens to her ksuba, right? Is, are we going to make her surrender her ksuba to her husband? Again, this whole shtickle, if she punches a, a straight, the, the mailman in the nose, he's never going to be able to, to collect because she, even, because she ain't got no money. I take it from her ksuba, she's Michael her ksuba. Every time. A hundred out of a hundred times. But now she punched her husband in the nose. Now, she, can she be Michael the ksuba? How does that work? If she's Michael the ksuba, it goes to her husband anyway. So maybe the husband can collect his damages? So the Gemara, wait a minute. Why am I? Maybe she, maybe let her sell her ksuba, the discount amount, for her husband, right, to her husband for this injury. Right? In this case, if she forgives the ksuba to her husband, he doesn't lose anything. Right? In other words, all the concerns we had about a woman paying the, paying, right, the ksuba when she injures someone else, namely that she's going to forgive the ksub, that she's going to forgive it, that doesn't apply here, right? Because when she injures, when she injures the husband, he's going to get it. So we should make her forfeit the ksuba and pay her husband for the damages uh, when she punches him. Says the gemara again. Havadai Rabbi Meir. We have to go back to the technicality of Rabbi Meir that that says that even in the case where she punches her own husband, she's never allowed to be mochal the ksuba. Rabbeir says she can't be without a ksuba. Yeah, that really applies here, right? Because what's going to happen? A woman punches her husband in the face, right? I'll walk you through it. Rahman al-Islan, right? Does he want to get rid of her? Yeah, you bet he does. This is ridiculous, right? So he wants to divorce her. LMI, he doesn't want, if, he, if, he wants to, if he's going to divorce her, right, then you should say that if she's without, it, the only reason he won't divorce her is because he doesn't want to pay her exuba. So we're going to say, wait a minute. She doesn't have to, he doesn't have to pay her exuba. Let him use the exuba as the payment for the damages to fix his broken nose. So maybe he doesn't have to pay the exuba. Mayor says, yes, even there he has to pay the exuba. We want to disincentivize him from divorcing her, even in this case. And therefore, he can't use the ksuba to pay for his broken nose. That's what it means. Here, right, he can divorce her if he wants. And collect, right, the ksuba to pay for his nose job. But therefore, if we're concerned about a possible divorce, so we would say that he would be able to divorce her and collect the ksuba from injury. But then... Right, we're not going to allow that. In other words, right, we should. The Gemara initially thinks that's a great idea. Wait, let her give the ksuba as compensation for punching in the nose. That sounds like it would be great. Says the Gemara. No, it, it's not. It's not going to work. Why? Because the case might still be a case where you can't use the ksuba as your payment because the ksuba was great. They had initially, this was a very stealthy couple. They had a giant ksuba settlement, so he's still not going to divorce her. The Mishuma Porta, in other words, what's the case? The Gemara is suggesting, let him divorce her and collect. Well, wait a minute, it's not worth it for him to divorce her. That's the point. It's such a disincentive, right? The ksuba was worth a million dollars, right? The nose job was only a thousand dollars. So it's not like as much as he'd like to divorce her, he doesn't want to lose a million dollars minus a thousand, right? So he's still not going to divorce her. So lo mafsi tuva. So wait a minute. 
if her ksuba is so much greater, there's a certain amount of ksuba that you have to pay me Raisa, right? But maybe we should just sell, establish the amount of the ksuba Raisa, and the rest sell for his injury, right? In other words, leave aside the Darabonin. Maybe we're talking about the ksuba Raisa. So the Gemara could go to Lona Fisha Ksuvasim Ksuba Raisa. The case must be that there was not a great amount of ksuba beyond what is required Midar Raisa. The Havi Chavali Arba Zuze, that's going to get into the actual amounts. For example, right, he got a four zuz injury to his nose, the Mishum Arbazuza, that even when the Ksuba is Doraisa, right, we're not going to, um, even when the Ksuba is Doraisa, it's not going to work because the value of the Ksuba is still going to be the value, greater than the value of his broken nose, and therefore he will not divorce her. So let's, we'll resume tomorrow in the middle of Pay Testament Bays with Elaha Detanya.